Welcome along, listeners. You are listening to the R Effect Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this series, which explores key sustainability themes and concepts and highlights how we can make a difference both here on campus and globally. My name's Jake. And I'm George. And we're your hosts today. Here's what you can be expecting today. We're going to be talking to two members of staff from FX Plus who are in charge of all energy stuff on the Cornwall campuses. They'll give us some both shocking and useful insights for everyone living and working on campus. But stay tuned, non-campus folk as well. We've got top tips for you of how to save energy at home, seeing the bigger picture with the climate emergency in mind, and discussing what the future of energy will look like in Cornwall. delighted to welcome my co-host. Here he is, Mr. George Dempster. Hello, George. Hi, Jake. Good to be back. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Doing great. I don't want these podcasts to be over. Nor do I, to be honest. We're just getting started, aren't we? We'll have to, we'll have to carry on. So today we're going to be talking energy and water, aren't we? Yes, we are. Yeah, two uh, special guests today. Absolutely. So without further ado, I think we should introduce them. So um, we have with us today the energy manager and a graduate intern in energy projects. They are heading up the Energy Utilities and Water Working Group, which feeds into FX Plus's sustainability strategy and delivery plan here on the Cornwall campuses on behalf of Falmouth University and the University of Exeter. Welcome first to Mr. David Lawrence, energy manager. Good afternoon, Bethy. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for coming on today. Not a problem. Very excited. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. And secondly, the graduate intern in Energy Project, Sean Walters. Hello. Hello, Sean. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. We're very excited because it's the most crowded podcast we've done so far in the series. <laughs> so we got all of you here. Should be double the fun. Double the fun, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Dave, is this your first podcast you've done? Oh, it is, yeah. I'm known for being a bit of a local celebrity or international superstar, but um, <laughs> first one. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. And Sean, are you hoping this catalyzes your um, rise to fame as well? Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> Great stuff. I see, I see we'll this springboard opportunity is like the the next sort of um, energy duo. I don't know who we could be likened to. Mm. A modern day Morecambe and Wise or more like Lauren yeah. Hardis. Yeah, definitely. They'll make a movie out of you soon. Great stuff. Well, we're going to talk about a whole manner of things uh, to do with campus energy use and energy use in general as well. But first, we've got three very important questions. Um, okay, so question one. What would you power Penryn and Falmouth campuses with if you could choose any type of energy. I I quite like wind turbines personally. I think I have a preference there. Nice one. And it seems like it would be appropriate for Cornwall especially. I just like the way they look. <laughs> See that's that's rare, isn't it? Because a lot of people are like, oh ugly wind turbine, but you like no, them. They're part of the landscape for me. I've, I've grown up seeing yeah. them. So I just think they're nice. And Dave, what about you? Oh it's an interesting one. I I think for me it would be a combination of technologies because it's a bit of a cop out, but um <laughs> There's no one size that fits all. So I, I'd like a bit of wind and solar combined and then just throw in a bit of energy storage just for good measure. Yeah, you could have some inciting electrical vehicles powering it or a bit of everything. A bit of everything. Fair enough. So next question up. Do you think there's potential, I review, uh, that cow farts, uh, which we all know are bad news for the planet and global warming, could be used to generate energy? Interesting. Hmm. Zero thoughts. Zero thoughts. I've literally farts. never considered this before. <laughs> I mean, you can use methane currently to produce energy. There are plants that do that. So I'm sure if you could come up with a contraption that you could somehow 
trap it, but that would be a very interesting way of um, <laughs> on the rear of a cow. I don't know how you quite do that unless you put them into a, a big shed. So, um, I mean, it'd be quite funny to see a cow with that kind of um, device on there to trap the gas, but I don't think the cow would be much pleased about it. So I'm going to say no, <laughs> not realistic. Sean, you more positive? I, I, I don't think we need more cow farming at the moment. I think <laughs> even if we could somehow power the world with cow farts it would bring a host of other issues mm. it would cancel it out great point it would be funny i guess george i don't know how you picture it but i was picturing like the eden project biomes and then cows farting in a biome and just atmosphere sucking away burning it i feel like there's got to be some more um you know simplistic techniques it could be used before we get to that <laughs> biomes all over the country full of cows <laughs> And let's face it, who would want to be in that bio? It would be stinky. It would be stinky. <laughs> it would. Oh, dear. So I think that's a, a no, a resounding no, I think. Okay, so lastly, what are your thoughts around pedal-powered desks on campus? So students and staff sit there and they've got a pedal underneath the desk to make their laptop or computer work. Oh, you know what? I'm going to change my answer to the first question, and this is how I would power the campus if I could choose oh, any. Nice. What about you, Dave? What do you think? Um... It sounds like fun. Why not? Do you think that the sustainability team on campus would be the desk people to do this? They'd only give us pedal-powered desks? You can be if you want. <laughs> I'll give it a go. We did actually raise this in our interview with Tony Sanders, and I'm pretty sure that he said he was all for it. I'm not 100%, but I'm pretty sure that's what he said. So I think what you need to do is do like a life cycle assessment and how, how much carbon and materials resources going to making all those bikes are they are they a necessary addition a necessary addition yeah or is it something that we could just just adding further waste to the planet now that is some sustainable thinking right there we'll, we'll park that for the minute no pun intended <laughs> great stuff so thank you guys for those important answers to those questions uh we'll move on now for everyone listening who attends the Penryn and falmouth campuses in cornwall just thought we'd touch on some background information on the energy use around campus so could either of you tell us about our energy use on campus what it is annually and the associated sort of carbon emissions with that sure um so we use about eight gigawatt hours of electricity each year and 14 gigawatt hours of gas it varies each year depending on weather conditions um this year a bit lower because no one on campus. All our usage equates to exactly 4,664 tonnes oh. of carbon in 2018-19, which was running from the academic year, August to sort of July. But we've made some really good strides in the last sort of couple of years to reduce our carbon emissions on campus. And this is we were able to do comparatively. So um, the campus has grown, but we, we measure our carbon reduction per square metre of floor area because obviously the campus has grown. Our, our emissions will increase. We'll use more energy. But where we go for a metre square baseline, we've actually reduced our carbon emissions by 41% in the last sort of 15 years, which has been really good, thanks to a lot of exciting projects. Brilliant. And just touching on briefly, I understand we're on a green electricity tariff, aren't we? So um, in a way, I suppose part of that carbon footprint, we could maybe cancel out in a way because we're on this green tariff from EDF, is it? Is that right? It is, yeah. We're on a renewable energy guarantee of origin tariff, which basically means that all of our energy comes from green sources, um, whether that be solar, renewables, not directly powered by them, connected to the grid, but we, we buy from them. Um, it's as good as you can get, really, well, almost as good as you can get. And we could say that that decarbonises our um, electricity consumption, but um, due to the sort of ways to report 
we don't at the moment, but we do that just as we think it's the right thing to do. And we actually pay premium for that. So it's a showing the good good ambitions for Falmouth Exeter Universities and FX Plus, really. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good to hear. And talking about renewables, we do actually have renewables on campus, don't we? Sean, can you insight us as to what renewables we have on campus? Yes. Yeah, we've got uh, some arrays of solar panels. I believe it was six arrays across Penrhyn campus. We love solar panels. I just say put them on absolutely everything. Uh, but there is this issue of capacity, isn't there? Yeah, there is. So we, we are, it's something we're looking into. We, we're really keen to get more solar panels on. But due to sort of local electricity network conditions, if we use solar, we have to be able to use the energy on campus. And we can actually put more solar on to generate more energy than we can actually use at certain points. For example, if we were to completely map out all or max out all of our roofs on campus, we could generate more energy than we can use at summer on a summer some day at peak load, peak generation. So what that means is that when the sun's shining in the mid-afternoon, we're generating more energy than we can actually use at that point. But due to sort of electrical infrastructure locally, we can't export anything to to the local grid. So we are constrained in that matter. But we wouldn't would be limited to the amount of solar we we could put on. And and that's something we're working on at the moment. Sounds really good. Thank you. Um and I understand that we've made a pretty well very new uh, piece of work on decarbonization the journey uh, that the campus and fx plus is going to go on to uh, decarbonize its electricity and gas and um, we've made some ambitious carbon targets haven't we could you relay what those carbon targets are yeah so we've got um based on the 2005-2006 academic year we want to have a reduction of 50 percent of our carbon emissions by 2025 and as Dave said, we've already hit about 40% relative to the rate at which the campus is growing. Great. Um, but then the subsequent targets where we want to have a 75% reduction by 2030 and then net zero full decarbonization by 2040, those are the sort of infrastructural changes that need to be made. Great. And I should say that's for our direct emissions, isn't it? So scope one and two. Yeah, that's right. Direct. Scope one being gas boilers, essentially fleet vehicles. And then scope to being emissions from electricity. That's great. How are we gonna? How do you guys foresee we're gonna get there? You both obviously looked into a bit of research on sort of future energy projects of campus. We've talked about expanding solar. Um, we've mentioned we like wind. Maybe there's potential to get wind energy on campus. How do you see um, some of the key projects going forward over the next, I guess, 15, 20 years um, to getting there? It's a hard question. It is. Yeah, there isn't no. Um... There's many pathways that you could do, many technologies you can invest in. So the challenge that we've got is to try and find the most cost effective way to do that, because all of this is going to require significant investment. And I mean, from my crude estimates from the time being is going to cost 30 million pounds plus over the next sort of 20 years to get to, to net zero. So some really positive statements made by the universities and they're showing really sort of you've got to say world-leading ambitions in what they what they've declared but um then they've given me the horrible job of trying to figure out how to do it and, and sean's <laughs> very much helpful as well in doing that and this is but really it's going to be a lot of renewable energy generation so we're going to need i mean you never know how technology is going to change mm. um i mean for example from 2010 to 2015 or roughly those time scales the the price of solar decreased by half. Oh wow! And there was a five-time fold in solar installations in the country. It's just a, it shows you how fast things can change. But for us, we're going to need to sort of decarbonise electricity emissions by going through a wind turbine, through um, solar generation, possibly 
through hydrogen generation technology, which is well established, but it's just not commercially viable at the moment. We're going to need to do energy efficiency. So that's going to be sort of uh, LED lighting, um, reducing heating. So making things colder, making sure that our buildings are open only when they need to be. A lot of big, large scale investments we have to make and large scale changes. Do you think that carbon offsetting will come into the decarbonisation programme? Um, I'm not sure, actually. Do, do you think it will? It's something that's discussed, but I mean, it, it would be helpful, wouldn't it? But is it just um, prolonging it? Mm. Decon- are you really decarbonised if you're reliant on offsourcing the emissions? It sparks the entire debate, doesn't it? Mm. I think for me personally, carbon offsetting will have a role. However, it's too early to say what role that is. Whatever you do, we've, we've got finite resources on this planet. And if you're offsetting, are you taking away land or sea from other other areas? For example, we've got food crisis, we've got deforestation, we've got landfill. If we're using that sort of carbon offsetting, so I think it will have a role, but you've got to look at the net environmental benefits from that. So it's like a how you do it. Are you restoring habitats to do that? And is that, is that a way? I mean, one a great project, I think, that they're looking at is locally, is looking at using seagrass. Mm. Yeah, I think carbon offsetting will have a role but what exactly that role is is still to be figured out i mean climate change mitigation and adaptation are such complicated topics there's so many factors to to take into account that you need to look at everything so our campus is really different to anywhere else and we need to look at options appraisals and many different things and before we come up with it but carbon offsetting could be a viable pathway and one that we should probably investigate Really insightful. So now I wanted to dig both your brains for some little information and little insightful, inspiring things uh, that you might know that the people, of the, the users of the campus might not know. So Sean, you've started in, you started in February, didn't you, in the role? In January. Time flies. Yeah. And um, have you noticed anything since arriving or become aware of anything that, yeah, it's just like info to do with energy sort of saving techniques that might be around campus that people don't know about? One that sticks out to me is the well by the Trimmel House Cottages. Oh, nice. That, that was just sort of hidden away. But I, I, I think it was when I first met you two on oh. the job and someone brought it up. And that was my first sense of, oh, so they're possibly on-campus solutions, in this case, to water consumption issues. Great. No, that's really cool. That was actually, it came up and we had a big water audit, didn't we, at the start of the year? Probably the first of its kind in a number of years. Is that right, Dave? It was, yeah. It's, it's the first of its kind that I can think back and water is somewhere that, um, if we're honest, we probably need to do a bit more work on, but it's something we're fully aware of and we're actually looking to come up with a plan to sort of how we mitigate, well, how to reduce water consumption, which will, again, water is a very precious commodity that um, I don't think a lot of people realise how much of a crisis we could be facing in the world from not managing the the water usage. I mean, look at what happened to the Aral Sea 10, 15 years ago, which is dried up. And if you're not aware of it, I'd very highly recommend doing some research on it. Yeah, so that's something that we're really keen on and how how can we sort of reduce our water usage. And and also, if we can source it locally, then we'll reduce our scope three emissions, um, which is obviously something we're very keen to do. Definitely. Oh, that's really cool. And is it right that um, street lighting on campus... Um, there's been some work done on that when considering the wildlife on campus is that right yeah so all of i mean 
all of our street lighting on campus is we've, we've got bats on site. All of the lighting has been designed to be bat friendly. Nice. So, I mean, if you see the, the pathway just opposite the um, sports centre, you'll see that there's no lights on there and it may be a bit dark for people walking up there. But that was a conscious decision to make to actually create a sort of a, a highway for bats so that they can get there without any sort of light pollution and, and they can sort of join habitats and travel around to feeding grounds and all of the lights that we put in. So we've got a lot of LED lighting bollards, very low level. So the bats where they're flying, it went, it's less intrusive on their flight paths. And where we've got tall LED lights in, so on the street columns, then we, we have the sort of lights that face down and, and constitution to make the house dispersed to encourage bats to, to use campus and still feed and, and do whatever bats do. And hopefully Batman will come along one day. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> he loves he loves those um, minimal artificial lighting conditions, doesn't he? He does, yeah. <laughs> so now um just wanted to turn the conversation around to more of a general topic, really, of just energy conservation. And have you got any, like bigger big tips about how to reduce your energy and water consumption whether, whether you're um you know a campus user or not yeah i mean i think it's a it's a great point to touch on that jake because because everyone who visits campus we really do try and do as much as we can to do projects that reduce energy consumption but everyone who visits campus in my opinion has a responsibility to sort of be not be wasteful and and it's it's, it's never going to happen completely but i think everyone needs to make a conscious decision whether that's at home on campus to, to do things that will promote energy efficiency like like for example turn lights off when you leave a room it's one of the things that i sit all the time and, and it's impossible to keep on top of but if everyone could be a bit more conscious of turning lights off then that would be great um things like wearing a jumper we, we obviously want people to be warm and we don't want to sort of because there's necessary comforts that people need but if you worry if you're feeling cold just make sure you wear a jumper then obviously put the heating on but i mean talking of heating i mean one thing that people don't know is that down in the sort of glasney student village in particular the way the heating system works is that if you've got a flat and one person opens the window you could, it's impossible to have like sort of keep everyone some people will be hot some people will be cold because everyone's got a sort of um difference tolerance to sort of yeah to heat and that kind of thing and jumpers oh yeah it's the, it's so it's, it's it's a hard thing to do but one thing that you could do is i mean if you, instead of opening the windows when the heating's on just try and take take a jumper off if you're too hot so then it compensates because actually by doing that in, in the sort of glasney student village and the residences the flats there's only one temperature sensor in that and it could be that if you're opening the window that will decrease the temperature for the sensor and that will actually mean more heat will go in so you're not helping yourself oh i see so it's trying to work as a flat and work as a team and if, you, if you're all too hot or too cold let us know and we'll try and do something about it because um we can reduce the temperature um we aim to achieve in that building or increase it necessarily in some instances because like we said we, we we need to give people good living conditions and and good working conditions on campus and we're not trying to do that but it's just trying to make sure that we hit the right level so that we're not wasting energy that's really insightful. Anything else from you, Sean, that you'd give top tip wise? Something I've been doing uh, working at home in the summer months is trying to use lighting less. So sort of um, making use of natural lighting where I can. And if I have to turn the light on, I've got a little lamp that I've bought and I try to light just my workspace or mm. desk area instead of the whole room. In a lot of cases, it's just unlearning things that I'm used to doing and wearing a jumper when I'm cold. Is, is a great one as well mm. avoiding opening the window when the heating's on lots of little things add up they do they certainly do don't they all those little personal decisions add up and i will say that everyone on camera today is in a beautifully naturally lit position so no one on this call today is 
is using electricity, I don't think. <laughs> Everyone's faces are glowing. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. And probably like bringing in as well, what I'd, I'd think about is cooking. So oh, I yeah. guess cooking like with lids on, that sort of thing. Yeah, so, I mean, that's another example. You could put your lid on when you're boiling the saucepan, but waste you're not having to put as much heat in to keep the heat up. Like another, other things in the kitchen, making sure your kettle's only filled to a certain amount of water, so you're not boiling it for longer. Doesn't waste water, and you're not using as much electricity. When you're doing a wash, um, do it on a lower temperature. When you're using dishwasher, do it on a lower temperature. If you're washing dishes, don't run. Keep the tap running. When you're brushing your teeth, that kind of thing. Limit your shower time. Obviously, we don't want people to smell. But um... <laughs> I had a really good little thing when I went to university in Swansea. Shout out. Um, they gave away a little like suction cup uh, timer that went in your shower. That you turned around it was like a five minute timer so you knew when you'd have a five minute shower so that was pretty good oh that's useful and i think it's worth bringing up as well isn't it in in this university setting that we're talking about like everyone's treated as i guess equals as opposed to when you're brought up at school you maybe feel like you know the teachers are in charge so when you go use a room or a space um you certainly have the power to um switch off those switches even if a lecturer doesn't don't you oh certainly and, and, and what i'd actually say is is let me know one of our problems is that we don't the campus is so big and we've got a, a limited team and we probably need a, a teams of hundreds of people to manage the energy to 100 percent efficiency but if you see anything around campus when you're walking around then please it's wasted for example if you think we're heating a room too much or if you see somewhere where the lights are just constantly on at night and you it really bugs you then drop us an email whether that be the sustainability team or the estates team and and we'll do our best to rectify it. It's, it's this intelligence that all you out there, people, when you're walking around, can let us know these things. We're, we're really keen and, and we'll, where possible, try and action it and, and hopefully be able to give you an update on what we've done. Yeah, I think, like I said earlier, everyone's got resp- responsibility to make sure that, um, make sure we use as less energy and reduce our carbon emissions. And that's really, when, going back to what, what we discussed earlier in terms of how do we get to net zero, the best way to do it is firstly by reducing your energy so you don't have to generate as much energy um, first but everyone can do these little things in life and then um, in the day-to-day things and they're doing just to just to make conscious decisions to turn lights off and that kind of thing mm, we need like the two-sided effect don't we so we need um, institutions and governments to make decisions to cut their own use but we also need the bottom-up pressure everyone needs to do that bit to reduce their footprint that's it. We, we need some like sort of like, you know, I think it's World War One with Lord Kitchener and his pointing finger. We need you. And it's that kind of thing. Everyone's got that. It's, the onus is on them. Maybe we should make that. We should make your face on a poster for campus. We need you. We want to put everyone through that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Sean's. Sean, would you like that? There you go. Yeah, Sean can do that. <laughs> this ties really nicely onto what we were going to touch on next. So the bigger picture here is obviously the climate emergency. We've touched on it. Um, the universities recognise that, but obviously 99, 99% of scientists recognise that as well. And we all need to play our own part to cut our energy use because fundamentally we're using too many resources, aren't we? We touched on this. I think it's, is it at the moment like 1.5 Earths we're supposedly using as a gen, as a human race? Um, so we require 1.5 Earths in terms of resources to sustain us, and that's not sustainable, is it? It's yeah. not. I know we just passed... Um earth overshoot day i'm not sure if you're aware of what that is but we're in august now and we've used the equivalent of what the earth can sustain us for in a year by august already so 
we're now using resources that will require a second planet for the rest of the year, which is definitely wasteful. Oh. Definitely. And that's a really important concept, George. Great. I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's quite scary. And I think now really is the time where everyone's got to act. It's, it's no more sort of burying your head in the sand thinking we'll deal with it. Everyone's got a responsibility to do something about it now. I mean, not to sound like a bit ranty and a bit um, old man-ish. No, no disrespect to old people out there. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we've, we've got to do something about it now. We can't keep going. Mm. The longer we leave it, the harder the challenge it is to resolve. And the thing that I think quite positive is that people are acting. People are changing. So I'm optimistic that we can do something about it, but we need to still do more. Yeah, very good. Very insightful. I think um, a really good website for people to check out if you want to get an idea of your carbon footprint and your impacts on the earth is the WWF footprint calculator. So if you go to that website, you can work out on all aspects of your life what your carbon footprint is. And I think the average in the UK is 10 tonnes and the target needs to be something ridiculous like two tonnes. So we all need to cut our carbon footprint, you know. Even even the energy people are not perfect. <laughs> I'm certainly not. And it's easy for me to sit here and preach, but um, <laughs> do I always practice it? Probably not. We all can do little changes, I'd say, here and there. So we talked about inspiration, that people are making differences. And often the, the bad things come through the press a lot more, don't they? But there is lots of local innovation, you know, national innovation and global as well. Do you guys know of any sort of local Cornish-based or UK-based projects going on that are looking to address energy use? One of these things actually is in Cornwall, we're, we're quite blessed of being in a place which is really pushing the boundaries and pioneering sort of decarbonisation. I mean, just a, a little fact that you may not know, I believe the first wind turbine ever was in in the uk was in cornwall uh-huh. um oh, wow. only down in red roof are looking to use sort of there was a recent multi-million pound investment in sort of drilling down to use geothermal heat to generate power oh, wow. i mean both universities got leading research in it cornwall council really ambitious climate emergency program that's great yeah we're, we're, lo- we're lucky down here and actually we are part of a community that are, we're trying really hard and sean touched on windy cornwall do you think there's scope for more like sort of wind turbines around cornwall offshore wind maybe do you think there's potential there like floating offshore wind yeah the council are looking into it aren't they i think so yeah and um i actually heard recently on the news that there's the first uk smart grid wind turbine going to be built in Ventantigue, which is in Cornwall, which will be live in September. And it'll provide enough energy for about 1,400 homes, reduce carbon emissions by 3,300 tonnes per year, which is pretty crazy. But also surprisingly that 40% of Cornwall's energy actually comes from renewable energy at the moment, which is really, really cool. Like you say, we live in a great part of the world. Yeah, definitely. And that place sounds very exotic. I wouldn't mind going there on my holiday. I know. <laughs> Ventantigue. Yeah, it sounds great. It's a great name. It does, doesn't it? very hard to spell yeah very cornish you wouldn't want to live there you'd want to go on holiday yeah i can see myself you know why wouldn't you want to live there well i just imagine trying to write that on your you know address labels and things is probably quite tedious i'm welsh so it wouldn't faze me (laughs) that's a good point (laughs) (laughs) and to be honest jake you're probably the only person who's ever considered not moving somewhere because of (laughs) the pain of having to write a name on a dress (laughs) When you're looking on right move, you're going, oh, that's going to be a struggle. <laughs> All the considerations. Uh, Leicester. Just um, jumping back into the geothermal project, that, the United Downs one. It I is, think, yeah. I think they're teaming up with um, Cornish Lithium Ooh. to look at whether, the, whilst they're trying to produce geothermal energy, whether they can also pump out lithium from the ground 
capture that and then use it to create batteries. Wow. Which is um which is cool. So that's quite a cool collaboration project. Yeah, um, and I, I believe Imaris are actually looking through a lot of the old um spoil heaps to see if they can get lithium out of the resource there if they can reprocess it i believe that's what's happening wow loads of things going on locally with part of a really forward-thinking community yeah, yeah i think i think that two for one approach is really you know forward thinking like right, can yeah. you do something else from doing could be a big resurgence in the um the mining heritage here could have a second wave of mining mm. it could be yeah and that in a way could be a really good thing couldn't it because we we'll probably just import loads of heavy metals from different countries at the moment so we could cut our transport emissions couldn't we it would be good yeah good for human rights as well yes definitely exciting stuff well that rounds off our conversation today thank you so much both of you for coming on and joining me and george just to drop in here before we go that if you have any concerns over energy consumption energy wastage on the Cornwall campuses here at Penryn and Falmouth, do contact Dave and Sean under the email sustainability at fxplus.ac.uk. Thanks again to David, Energy Manager, and Sean, Graduate Intern in Energy Projects, for joining us. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been the RFX podcast with me, Jake. And me, George. We hope you've enjoyed this episode all about energy and sustainability. Big thank you to our guests today and, of course, all of you for listening. If this hasn't satisfied your sustainability cravings enough, then do check out the other episodes in our series, which explore many other themes and topics. You can stream this episode and all the others in the series on demand anytime, anywhere on Spotify and a host of other platforms, all accessible via Anchor site. Head to anchor.fm forward slash r dash effect dash pod for links and all the information. And be sure to tune in to the R Effect podcast with us tomorrow because we will be giving you the lowdown of the Student Union Green Council. Same place, same time, 11am on Surf Radio. Finally, if you would like to contact myself and George on the R Effect podcast about the show, about content, about anything you want, pop us an email. Sustainability at fxplus.ac.uk is what you need to send it to.